Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. Um, thought I would check in. We are about two weeks post-op for our quote-unquote emergency gallbladder removal. And we are just finishing up, or I said I'm just finishing up my first week of treatment here in Utah after doing my residential in Alabama. And uh, it's been an adjustment. I... Uh, I don't know. I definitely hasn't went as smooth as I would hoped. Uh, some things kind of feel like I've taken a step backwards and went back to residential. A lot of rules I don't understand. Um, I'm struggling right now to feel like I'm being heard or that my needs matter. Uh, or honestly, that my success matters. And I'll take some responsibility for some of that. Um I'm stubborn, and when things don't go the way I think they should, I tend to push back and push people away, and I've definitely done that. I've uh, isolated myself from the group. I have kind of stuck to myself the last three days and really been unapproachable. I have definitely participated in groups because those are my favorite things, and those are things I really get a lot out of but I have been hesitant hesitant to really engage with my therapist and just get a vibe that this place is very much uh, no care at all stick. And if you don't want to know what that means, I'm not going to get into it. Google it. Um, but it's a change. Uh, I'll just start off day one. I go to the facility, and I'm honestly kind of shocked. I, Where I'm at now is a much more affluent area than where I was, and I feel like the, uh, what do you call it? The, uh, I'll just call it the building. Uh, definitely uh, it's not up to the standard of what I had in Alabama. The uh places it's like going from a mansion to living in the trailer park uh and you know what it's not about the place and the aesthetics and you know it's about the treatment and i know that but i was taken kind of aback because i assume coming to salt lake in this particular part of salt lake i'm in um i would you know have nicer facilities um, so I was a little taken back by the facilities, um, but I was welcomed with open arms by the staff and by the community. It's a much younger community, um, not a lot of diversity in that. There's one, maybe two people around my age, um, but overall it's a very young community, so it's hard to connect. Uh, I guess it doesn't help that I was kind of isolating the majority of the week and that probably made it hard for them to approach me. I did, definitely didn't put out an approachable vibe the last three days. I was just trying to trying to sulk in my own frustrations. Uh, one of the big things is I use my iPad for everything. I write all my assignments in there. I have all my books in there. 
Um, so I like to have it with me so I could take notes during group and that's never been a problem. That wasn't a problem in Alabama. They had the same rule, but they understood my needs and they met me halfway. And I guess I didn't ask and I assumed that it wouldn't be an issue and it was a very big issue. Uh, and they didn't seem to care about my needs or my wants or my desires. They just were very locked into, uh, you know, their rules, which I think it's always hilarious with these places because they preach about living in the gray, um, but they are very black and white in their rules and expectations. And it doesn't matter what your needs are. Um, their protocols are locked in stone. And it's just, it's kind of hypocritical, I think. But whatever. Uh, most of the staff, I don't think, really cares for me. Um, sometimes I think that they would be very happy, uh, if they could get rid of me. Um, but I'm here and I'm going to put in the work and I'm going to find a way to get a lot out of this treatment. Um, because I'm going to need to find a job, I think, because I got word this week that I'm getting fired as soon as I go back. And, you know, someone let me know that, a good friend of mine who I respect. And I think it was the very next day I get a call from HR wanting to know about when I'll be back. So it was pretty interesting. So I'm going to be on the job hunt, which is not fun because my mind is really not on finding a new career right now it's you know right now I'm 100% focused on my health and getting healthy so like to add that on top kind of sucks but it is what it is and I know it will work out because you know in the long run I've had tough times but things always tend to work out and I usually tend to be doing better at the end of it so I'm just gonna let the world I'm just gonna let life play out and we'll see what happens um after treatment, I can't think of anything right now but treatment. That's where my focus has to be. Uh, Kim and Trevor are on their way out, uh, so I'll have my family with me. And they're bringing the dogs, so we'll all be together through treatment. I'll have that support. This was a big reason we chose Utah uh, for treatment because uh, Kim's whole family's here. My in-laws, who are phenomenal people who I love so much and they've been so supportive and they've just loved me with open arms um my family's very much into you know the church and you know they know that i'm very much am not but yet they still love me uh just non-stop and it's beautiful and so this is was a great opportunity to come home and spend a couple of months visiting with them and Spending time with them and obviously having that support for Kim uh, as my health uh, deteriorates pretty regularly. Um, so, yeah, like this was a great choice. Not what I thought it was going to be. Like we don't do a lot of things that they did in Alabama. And like I know that every program is different, right? And I get that and I accept that and I want to fit in. But there's it's things I miss already. Like I miss that we like share, 
um, our assignments in group and we, they start these great conversations and you get feedback and they don't do that here. And, but the flip side is they have what's called open processing, which I didn't have in Alabama and I loved it. So you got to take the good with the bad. Um, it'll probably take me, I don't know, maybe another week to adjust and just kind of find my place within the group and kind of put down my guard and uh, allow them to see my true authentic self. Um, but I also question like how much role does the staffs, not the staff, but does the church play in the facilities? Cause like I get dirty looks when I swear in group and for me, like I swear y'all listen to the show you know that I swear, especially when I get worked up and I'm emotional. I'm not thinking about what's coming out and I might drop an F-bomb or whatever. And I don't think that's wrong and I don't have a problem with it. But they definitely seem to take a lot of offense to it every single time I it comes out. So I've, I've got to watch and that's hard for me. Like I think treatment should be a place where you feel safe to like speak your mind and Make people maybe a little uncomfortable, but you have to feel comfortable and vulnerable. I think that's one of my big things about them not letting me have my iPad is like they want me to trust them and open up and be super vulnerable and super open with them and honest, but they don't trust me enough to be responsible with my iPad and not violate any HIPAA laws. And so it's like the trust doesn't go both ways. It's a very one-way street. And hopefully that changes this upcoming week and we find mutual ground to work on. Um, I mean, we have to. I have to. Um, I have to understand that my needs aren't important and that I just got to push through and really get what I can get out of treatment because, you know, really enjoying this isn't a priority um battling them is not a priority getting better is my priority getting control over my eating disorder um having an understanding of what i need to do more moving forward in my life to mitigate the opportunities for me to binge um that's my priority getting weight loss surgery so i can Hopefully get down to a weight that I can get on the transplant list is my priority. Um, yeah, so those are my priorities, which means I need to suck it up and I need to just let them. I just need to understand that this is the, the bed I've made and this is where I'm at and it will be okay. Um, I'm not going to say we're not going to have any more battles because... If you've met me, you know, that's almost impossible. I speak my mind. If I'm asked a question, I give a very direct answer. I'm very direct just as a person. Um, one of the things definitely since getting my diagnosis is, well, two things. One, I want to be my most authentic self. And sometimes people aren't going to like that. It's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be huggable, lovable, Matt. Sometimes it's just going to be like taking... You know, people take me the wrong way or maybe I'm coming off wrong, but I'm focused on being my authentic self. 
uh, and honesty. Like, I'm going to tell you exactly what I think. If you ask me how my day is going and I'm having a shit day, I'm going to tell you I'm having a shit day. And I could tell that people really have a hard time with that. I don't know if it's a societal thing or if it's just how I approach it or how I put it out there. But, like, I've noticed that, like, a couple of things. Like, me being blatantly honest, um, I could tell people kind of, like, don't expect it and don't know how to respond. And then here's the fact. Like, I don't know that I'm going to get on the transplant list. I mean, honestly, full full truth if you looked at everything I need to do um, to get there and versus the, uh, sorry, brain fog is coming in here versus like the state of my liver and its deterioration and things like my brain fog getting worse, you know, and worse. Um, there's probably a 10 to 15% chance that I get on the transplant list. And then it's a one to five year wait to get a transplant. Obviously, I hope I have somebody in my circle. I've had several people say they want, when it gets to that point, they want to get tested to see if they're a match. And in a perfect world, I would get to get on the list and get to that weight because I have to be at that weight no matter what. That BMI, that 38 BMI. And I think I was at 78 for surgery um, or 73, actually. And. So to either get on the list or find somebody who can give me, who's willing to donate a chunk of their liver, um, that could be, you know, I just might run out of time. So honestly, I think realistically, we probably got like a 10% chance of seeing, um, 46, 46. Um, and so I'm very like, uh, matter of fact, like, here's the deal. Like I'm, my health is failing. My life is, you know, going to be shorter than I expected probably. And it's not, that's not what I want. Like I'm hoping that we reach those goals and somehow we get a liver or we get a, someone who's going to donate, but I'm not in a place. Like, I think it goes back to being honest. It's not that I'm not optimistic, but I'm realistic. I'd rather be realistic than optimistic because I feel like, Every time I get my hopes up for something and it fails, it breaks my soul. So I would rather just be clear like, yes, we're doing everything we can to get where we got to get to so I can get either a transplant or a donation. But reality is with the way I've destroyed my body and the way my ED is, you know, still a very big part of my life, I don't know that we um we beat it and so i'm prepared you know well at least emotionally i've accepted that somewhat i still grieve pretty regularly um but i know that when i talk about it people definitely kind of are a little taken aback and don't know how to respond but i don't know how not to be honest like it's not something that comes up like non-stop but when it does come up, like, I'm like, yeah, like, like this organ that I need to survive is dying. It's dead, really. Like, it's stage four. That's the last stage. Cirrhosis. Um, 
the liver looked like shit when they did my gallbladder. We knew that. Um, so I'm not going to beat around the bush. Again, if you're out there and you love me and you're like, Matt, you got to be more positive. It's not that I'm not positive. I do go every day try to have a positive attitude. I do every day try to do everything I'm supposed to do to get to this goal weight, to get these things accomplished. Um, I was very excited to come out of gallbladder surgery alive because, honestly, I didn't think that was going to happen. And I come out, and I'm like, okay, we got one of those big check boxes off. So I'm positive, I'm working hard, but I'm also realistic about this situation. The odds aren't great. This is one of the big reasons why I've tried the idea of moving back to Utah, which is really unrealistic right now, but it's something I thought quite a bit about because I want Kim to have people around her when I pass. Because I know how much Kim and I love each other, and the idea of her not having support, like, right here right now scares the shit out of me because I know what I would be like if she were to go before me for some reason and god I hope that doesn't ever even become close to a possibility because I would not be able to function and I would probably give up with every treatment option there is because I can't imagine a world uh that I'm in and Kim's not I have been thinking a lot about my daughter and how we haven't spoken in eight years, a little more than eight years now. And it breaks my heart. I'm, I've written her. I continue to write her. Um, I guess I haven't wrote her for a few weeks because I have been in some dark places. And I don't want to bring negativity to those letters. I'm going to try and write one this weekend. But, like... My life's pretty good. I have an amazing wife. My son, I love him to death. Um, I'm sure we want to choke each other on a regular basis. But I love his, I just love him so much. And I'm very proud that I, that, you know, I've got to be his dad all these years. Um, That being said, I, I miss my daughter. I miss that. You know, I've messed up sometimes opportunities for a relationship. I am upset that other people have told her things that were exaggerated or untrue completely. And that has made her not want a relationship with me. Um, you know, I always tell people I've earned a lot of the hate that I have from her and her mom. Um... You know, I wish there was a way that we could all do some kind of family therapy. Um, and obviously, I don't think my ex and I will ever be friends. But I just think, like, to have some um, understanding between us so we can move forward as co-parents. And both be there for our daughter as things come up in our life. Obviously, I think family therapy would help my daughter and myself build a foundation for a relationship and you know for me with Kaylee it's just about whatever she is okay with if she were to say hey you know what I think we should get to know each other but I think for the time being it should only be through letters 
I'm, whatever I'm in. If she says you could text me, uh, but don't be upset if I don't text back or I'm in like she controls the situation. I just want some kind of relationship with her. Um, it's been weighing on my heart quite a bit lately. Um, it kind of makes me feel like because I'm in a similar situation with my father that maybe I should reach out to him and just find a way to have like, again, not be best friends. Um, and maybe not have him super in my life, but like give him some kind of opportunity to be in my life. I don't know if he thinks about me. Like I think about Kaylee, but when I think about how Kaylee must feel about me and how it's very similar, I imagine how I feel about my father. I wonder, am I being, what's the word I'm looking for? Am I being, uh, Oh my goodness, fog brain is killing me. It's like that thing where like you do something even though you say it's wrong. Anyways, I think you guys know what I'm saying. But am I being like false or whatever for expecting Kaylee to give me a chance to build a a relationship when I'm hypocritical? Ah, that's the word. I knew it would come. Fog brain. Am I being hypocritical by not giving Don an opportunity to be in my life and then thinking that Kaylee should give me an opportunity to be in hers. I go back and forth on that. Like part of me thinks, no, I'm not being hypocritical because I did give Don a chance. Honestly, when I found out when I found him by complete accident, um, I'll never forget that. Like I was working third shift. Uh, Debbie and I had just gotten married and you know we were expecting this child and i got a job at this uh, ejection mold plant and i remember i was clocking out one day because it had those old like clock out deals and i was clocking out and i saw somebody with the last name shocky and i was like nah couldn't be right well over the next few weeks i kind of met this person and got to know him and one night as we're working together I said, do you happen to know somebody possibly by the name of Donald Shockley? And she kind of looked at me like confused and like, how do you know that person? And I literally was like, well, I don't know if it's the same person, but my biological dad's name is Donald Shockley. And if you know one, maybe he's from this, you know, particular area. Maybe he, this is my dad. And so a couple days later, she comes up to me and she hands me a piece of paper with a phone number. And she said, uh, yeah, this is your dad. And he would love to hear from you. So I reached out. It was one of the weirdest phone calls I ever made. I actually made it on a lunch break. Or it might have been right after work at like 6 in the morning. And uh, I called the number and Don was out on the road. He, He was a trucker. And he was on the road, but his wife, Terry, picked up. And I spoke to her for a while. And Terry was the sweetest lady, like, you could ever meet. Um, Now, I will say that I definitely held some things against her, like the fact that Don raised her kids, but he didn't try to help take care of me at all. Yeah, so I... 
I would just keep talking to her. But then Don proved, kind of showed me his true colors. And I realized I just couldn't have him in my life. So I met him when I was 19. And I stopped talking to him promptly when I was 21. Right as a blue by 21st birthday. He took me out for drinks and basically was more interested in trying to hook up with my mom than hanging out with me. Um, and I thought that should have been his focus was, you know, building me and being around me and building a relationship with me. But he just had other priorities, priorities that I wasn't interested in. Uh, and it sucks because I really allowed, opened, allowed him like into my life with open arms. Like I called him dad pretty much right away. I, uh, I really wanted to be in his life and him to be in my life and to have a father-son relationship. But he just, he couldn't prioritize that. And as I sit here, like, that's one thing I try to do better as a parent. Uh, Trevor and I, we have our battles, but I think he knows that I love him. And I'll always be there for him and I'll always support him and try to help guide him through life if he asked, you know, for advice. And I just want that opportunity with Kaylee. I want to, you know, get to know her. I want to be in her life. I want to help any way I can, like, emotionally support her. Um, and I know that doesn't really happen unless somehow, some way, Debbie and I find a common ground. And I don't know if that's even possible, but hashtag fingers crossed. Anyhow, that's like the craziness of the week. Um, treatment, treatment is going. Um, cr fingers crossed that it goes better next week. I think it will, especially because Kim will be here to help, like, I don't know, just ease my mind. Um, well, I did have a great meal with some of my friends from one of my old jobs at ATI. And I tell you, like, I don't know that I'll ever have a job like that again where that place has been closed seven years now. Oh, wow. Six years. The end of 2016. So beginning. Yeah, six years. And not only do I still miss that place, like, I really thought I'd be there forever. But I also, like, am so happy that I, such an amazing group of people worked there. We came from all walks of life, all different backgrounds, all different, you know, ideals. And we just, we really bonded. And, like, I see those people to this day, and I'm, like, super excited for it. I look so forward to seeing them and, and like, talking. And it's, like, as soon as we start chatting, it's, like, there's no time that's passed. And we're laughing and we're joking and we're just, you know, going back into those old routines. And that's super exciting for me. Anyhow, I am going to call this one for the night. Thank you so much for checking in. Um, I will be back when I have another update. Uh, thanks, everybody, for the positive feedback and the good notes I've gotten for the show since kind of coming back and really focusing mostly on this treatment plan I got going on. Um, it's been a... Like, this podcast has been something that has really 
just kind of like been a super positive thing in my life. And the fact that like, not only am I able to vent and like be vulnerable with you, but that you are coming back to me and being vulnerable and open and loving it. Uh, it just warms my heart and I just want to thank you. So until next time, y'all take it easy. This has been the Pearson Mind Podcast. See you next time.